Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live Sunday morning. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What a, what a power moment. What a power moment. Even in a moment of, of worshiping the Lord, in the moment of, um, Maru Kalama recognizing and lifting him up above all. We recognize he's not just another deity. He's not just another name. He's not just another moment of my experience on earth. He's just not another thrill. He's just not another, uh, fascination short-lived. He is the living God. He is the living Christ. He is almighty God and he trumps over all. His mind's made up. His mind's made up. His mind is made up. His mind is made up. The dominion is now here on earth. Then the kingdom of heaven prevails even now and there is a mass infusion of the angelic. There is a movement of the heavenly. What is unprecedented is the move of God that is going and under being taken in this hour. There is an overtaking and there is a movement of heaven unprecedented with a presence of the divine mind that's been instituted before the foundations of the world and we shall see and we shall morrow at the very glory of God that will burst out from his sorrows that will burst out in this hour and though it might be shaken and though it might be looking wonky God says do you not fear don't you fear it's being made right it's being made right and it's being shaped aright ha in the name of Jesus it's being shaped aright it's being shaped aright so the title for this message is be believing how appropriate it's be believing be believing whom God says he is be believing that the word of God is the word of truth be believing that today you are the son of God be believing that today you are the loved of God be believing that if he before you no one no one nothing 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 can be against you be believing today that that which is promised to you it's being fulfilled in this moment right now be believing be believing. And I just was thinking of all the messages over the many centuries uh, since the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but even prior to that of the prophetic utterances of the prophets. I even think of Abraham foreseeing the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead and the proclamation of the glory of God through the many uh, prophetic mouths. And, and yet, and yet the unbelief can be so stout and can be so uh, uh, still hardened the heart of man but God is saying in this hour this word is penetrating all the hard places and if we yield to the working of this word our hearts will be made lit up with the glory of God and all earth shall survey and shall ha, spectate the glory of God and so today we are believing he woke me up last night actually early this morning with a statement be believing because you have passed from death to life and believing is of the living. Believing is of the living. Be believing because you have passed from death to life and believing is of the living, which means the unbelieving is of the dead. And there's nothing dead about us. So why should we why should we walking in unbelief? Why should we meditate lies and deception when we have this mighty word of truth that we can abide the epistles that Paul wrote, that we have the gospels, that we have the entire counsel of the word of God as a demonstrating the power of God. And really, who is the power of God? It's Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh my, he has made a spectacle of every fallen principality. And now is the hour. And now is the moment that the body 
of Christ is arising. I saw it as a mighty upheaval. I saw it as a mighty upheaval, an upheaval of a risen body that is no longer dead, that's no longer um, a fuming and, and, and simmering in unbelief and in doubt. Is God who God says he is God really real? Does God really love me? All of that is coming to an end and the body of Christ is up, upheaving like a revolt almost against the doubt, against the worldliness in the church. It's coming against that which has mocked the living Christ. Now the body of God, Christ's body on earth, is giving him glory. Giving him glory. I'm stirred up today. Giving him glory. God said to me this morning early, be believing because you have passed from death to life. And believing is of the living. That, of course, passed from death to life. Let's go to John 5. John 5. Kula basandara, the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. This is, this is why we believe the words of Jesus, because they're the very words of God the Father. Why do we believe Jesus? Because he's the express image of the Father. Because the Father sent himself to earth in the body of Jesus to demonstrate his mighty love for humanity, to demonstrate his mighty reconciliation through the broken body and the shed blood, that we can now be a, a token of divine life on earth, and together you are a token, me a token, and everyone here a token of divine life, partakers of divine nature. We are now partakers of the body of Christ on earth. A massive explosion of life, dominion, because life dominates death. Life is a dominion of death, and where there is life, there is no death. The very light of God chases out darkness. So if we go to verse, let's say, oh, such times. Let's go John 5, 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. <laughs> because Jesus identified with the Father. All the more to kill him. <laughs> Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also called that God was his father. Not only did he break the law of man, in terms of the way it was interpreted by man, the Sabbath was instituted by God. They represent the divine rest that we now have in Christ. The divine rest where we have seized now from our earthly workings of trying to earn validation from God. And the way it was interpreted is through a religious mindset that Jesus came to overturn. And so they sought all the more to kill him because not only did he break their perception of what God's law was, but because he identified God as his father making himself equal with God. And then Jesus answered and said to them, this is a good answer right here, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, 
What he's saying, you're seeking to kill me, but God's got me. You're seeking to kill me, but God's got me. Because the son can do nothing of himself. The son can't even protect himself. It's through a divine preservation of the Holy Ghost. That is the very breath of God that Christ walked earth and his life was fully preserved for the assignment, for the completion of the task at hand. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son. What identity? What identity for us to have? The father loves Desi. The the father loves us. For the father loves me, he says. Right when they're seeking all the more to kill him, what does he come back? The father loves me. That is the ultimate answer to the taunts of the enemy. Through the, to the persecutions, to, to, to the, to the maligning words, the accusations. My father loves me. <laughs> My father loves me. The father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. Isn't that amazing? We can say, I've been privy to the mysteries of God. Now in Christ, I'm privy to the mysteries of God. You've got nothing on me. I have access into mysteries. And these mysteries are preserving my life. Because what are the mysteries? Is this eternal life that God promised beforehand. That now through the preaching of the gospel, this divine life is expressed, the hope of this divine life. That's preserving our vessels, preserving us in the body of Christ. The Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these and that you may marvel. And what are the words of Jesus before he, he, he takes on the path to the cross in his last prayer? He said, even greater works than these shall you do now that you're in my body. Because that was the promise. That's what he knew. That was his assignment. Greater works to make all marvel at the glory of God. And that's why he says, if you don't believe me, believe the works you're seeing. And yet they were so unbelieving. Last, last week's message, hardened heart, prevent them from seeing him, prevented him from hearing the words of truth, the hardened heart. The preconceived idea of this is what God is. God is this. That Jesus came and upturned. He broke the Sabbath. He broke that mind, that hardened mindset of this is what it looks like. What does it look like right here? This is what it looks like. It looks like the word of God revealed by the Holy Spirit. It looks like my father loves me. It looks like he's showing himself to me. It looks like I know who I am. My. Hey, he said, if you go back to the tail end of 20, he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For us, the father raised the dead and gives life to them. Even so, the son gives life. To whom he will. To as many as would receive him. To those he gives life. To as many as would receive. To as many as would re- as they would believe his report. Like John quoting the, the, the prophet Isaiah. Uh, 
who, to whom has the, 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 the hand of God been revealed to those that believe the report of the Lord. It is to those that are believing that are receiving him. And that are receiving this eternal life. For as the father raised the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. Don't disqualify yourself to whom he will. It's the whosoever that would believe. Not to whom he will, well, maybe not to me. No, to the one that believes. That's what John 1 says to us in John 1, 12. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who what believe in his name. Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God that got born again. Because the word became flesh and walked among us to demonstrate the very glory of the Father. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. See, because the Son and the Father are one. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. <laughs> Let me read this again. He who does not honor the Son, the Son is the Word of God. He who does not honor the Son, the Son is, is spirit and life. In John 6, Jesus, my, my words are spirit and they are life. The one that does not honor this divine life, the one that does not honor the very breath of God, mighty Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that's found in the Word, it's not honoring the Father. We can't say, I know God, I don't want to know Jesus. I, I want to know God, and I want to have an experience with this divine entity. I want to have a supernatural experience, but I don't really care about Jesus. There's no such thing. You can't have a supernatural experience, but it will not be with the Father God. It will not a spiritual deity that's fallen, that's been defeated. Satan is his name. They all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And this is where we're coming, the ties to what God spoke to me, that believing is of the living. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word, he who hears my word, and again, going back to last week's messages, is through the understanding, that our understanding be not dull, that the eyes of our understanding, which is the eyes of our heart, be enlightened, that our hearts be tender to God, that our hearts be believing to God, that we have a, a desire to know God that is not out of self-ambition and self-preservation, but it's out of an adoration for what God has done in our lives. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. So everlasting life is tied to what? Believing his word. Because, because the apostle John in, in 1 John says that, that, that Jesus was the word of life, that they beheld the word of life. Together with John writes what Peter said to Jesus, where can we go, Jesus? We can't leave you. You hold the words of life for us. Right?
right in the middle when, when so many disciples were offended at the words of Jesus. Jesus looked to his own core disciples and said, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? Peter says, where can we go? You hold the words of life. He who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Let's read that verse again. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, has, we are havers of life. We're not about to have it if we do enough works, if we keep enough Sabbaths, if we perform certain miracles, it's not going to be more life for us to earn, but we already have it. We are Christians are havers of eternal life on the premise of believing. And that's why Abraham is called the father of faith because we stem from that fathering that came through faith. And that's why Peter in first Peter, Peter in first Peter, I believe it was that we've been begotten again by the father. We have been refathered through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's based on believing. Based on believing. So read that 24 again. Most assuredly, I say to you, I think some translation says, verily, verily, I say to you, meaning trust these words, believe what you're hearing today, believe the words. He who hears my words, the hearing with the understanding, not, not through, not, I've heard the man of God said, not through the paddles on the outer head, but through the hearing of faith, that Paul writes in Galatians, the hearing that is of faith. The hearing that, that comes through the revelation of the word of God that's inspired of the Holy Spirit. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, believes in my father who sent me, has everlasting life. Has everlasting life. We can underline, circle, and highlight, has everlasting life. It's not about to have it, but if you believe, if you believe, you have everlasting life. It's very specific to what to believe. Believe the words, that the words, hear the word, because faith comes by the hearing. So he says today, most assuredly, say, if you hear, if you hear, we read yesterday, uh, sorry, last week, um, in Ephesians 3, I believe, uh, Paul writing the, uh, how, how do we gain understanding through the reading of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ? As we read, we are hearing. Even as, as we, uh, you know, the word is being preached, we're listening, we're listening with our spirit man to the words of Christ, to the anointed words of the spirit. We are constantly, um, the, the Holy Ghost is bearing witness within us of the truth of the word. And when we know this is truth, we open our hearts wide so there'll be not restriction. Paul says, you're restricted not of us, but out of your own heart. Restricted from, from the limitations that's found in your heart, the heart in the heart, the heart of unbelief. And today, we're believing. And so, the one who believes the words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life shall not come into judgment shall not come into judgment, shall not come into damnation, shall not come into judgment, 
shall not come under, under, under wrath, judgment. But what is in life now has passed from death into life. Not coming unto deadly judgment, but what has passed into life. And so now we stand in life. Now we stand in light. Now we stand in love. Amazing. <laughs> Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. How again, how, what qualifies us for life? It's the hearing. It is the hearing of faith. But those who hear will live. How profound is that? Is there anything that seems like a death or deadly in your life? Anything that just seems like it just flattened out? It's just, it's just flattened out. Well, just hear the word again. Hear the word again. Hear the word of truth. Hear the word of promise. Hear again the words of life. Hear the words of life and you shall live. Your moment will live and give glory to God. <laughs> For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. There is life in Jesus. There is life in this word. It's granted. So again, as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Because he put on flesh. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Oh my. It does matter what you do in life. It does matter. It does determine your eternal outcome. It does matter whether you believe the one who sent Jesus and the word of God. It does matter because on that day of resurrection, we will be resurrected. Those who believe, those that are believing, we resurrect unto life. Resurrection of life. And then verse 30, Jesus says, I can do of my, I can of myself do nothing. I can of myself do nothing. And yet for the pride of, of life and, 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 and man, how hard it is to really come to this truth is that of myself, I can do nothing. Of myself, I cannot do anything. Of myself, I cannot say one right word. Of myself, I can't have one right thought. Of myself, I cannot do one right thing. And so that's why Jesus came. To show us the way. To give us this word of life that becomes my thought. To show us the lead of the Holy Spirit that now the Spirit of God has been given to us to lead us into truth, to, to re lead us into this path of righteousness, to lead us into these, into these moments that have been predetermined by the Father for us to walk out this divine life on earth. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will. What a powerful statement. I often meditate. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 
See, our life is to do the will of God. Our life is like Jesus, he came to do the will of God. He came to fulfill a plan. He came to fulfill an assignment. And I just did a dominion talk that was really spurred from what we just started this week, these conversations. Um, let's see what the word says. And one of the questions was about the call of God. It so impacted me. I can sum up the call of God is, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. That he, he birthed us here from before the foundations actually had a plan. And, and from my mother's womb, I was called out to do and to accomplish a divine assignment as was Paul and as was Abraham and all the patriarch and, and all the women that we read of here. Even I'm thinking of that, that Lydia, the, the cell of the purple cloth, like everyone came with a divine assignment, Ruth and, and, and Mordecai. And, and you go through the list of these men and women that, that really laid down their life for this resurrected moment to walk out a divine plan that only God could walk through them because they of themselves could do nothing. And we know of Gideon. And we know of, 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 of Daniel as well and, and David, of that they could not of their own stand in the places where God had called them to stand. I think of the persecution that Daniel would have to undergo to stand as a righteous young man in an ungodly moment, in an ungodly government, and yet be part of that government and yet be able to stand on a righteous cause because of persuasion of God, because he was believing Abraham, who could have not, Abraham would not have been able to leave the, the earth of the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans, the, 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 the pagan, the moon worshippers, the confused ones, who do we worship today? If it needs to rain, we've got to go to that altar. If we need sun, got to go to that altar. If we need more harvest, got to go to that altar. What is it today we're supposed to do? He left all that to follow the one true God. That nothing was outlined except a walk of faith. They said, follow, follow after me. That's what Jesus said to every disciple. Follow after me. Follow after me. Follow after me. We don't have to know the entire plan. He'll give us glimpses. He's good to do that. We have the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't need to know the plan. We have the Spirit of God who knows the plan. And it's one moment unveiled, unveiled to the next. And really it's because now we have this eternal divine life. And now from this life we can do glorious things for God. This eternal life is impregnated, it's full, it's, it's ever so wanting to release life unto others because we're now a life-giving spirit. For today, I only had two lines. <laughs> How appropriate. Because he's got all the lines. We don't have to know all the lines. We have to know him. He's the lines. He's the verse. He's the, what is it? Uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here, a little, there, a little. It's called faith. It's called knowing the one who's called you. It's knowing, knowing that he is, he is faithful to the end. It's knowing one of the moments in the worship was this, this revelation that all I have to know is he's faithful. All I have to know is he is faithful to the very end. 
So no matter where we find ourselves today, tomorrow, or maybe it was yesterday, it doesn't matter. God is faithful. My desire is to abide in the Word. And from this moment, He's shaping an eternal life. He's bringing forth a divine destiny that only God can walk out because me of myself, I can do nothing. I cannot do anything. That's actually a very liberating statement. Because that internal chaos and the struggle of the human mind, the carnal mind is, I've got to do something, got to do something. Surely there's something I can do. No, no, no. If Jesus said of myself, I can do nothing, together when in John 15, he talks about abiding the vine. If we're not abiding, we can't do anything. Sheer frustrations when you think you can do something. Sheer frustrations when you think you can do it and you want to do something because you really have a desire to do something. Unless it's birth of the Holy Spirit, it can be very frustrating. So from here, that I got really thrilled up. Thrilled? Thrilled up? Excited? <laughs> I got really stirred up. Um, let's go back to... A little bit further down in, in chapter 5. Um, about the witness that bears witness of Jesus. Let's go 37. And the Father himself who sent me, the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You don't have to testify of yourself. You don't have to testify of yourself. The Father who sent you will testify of you. You don't need a, a little, little, little list of commendations, a little resume of this is who I am. Let me prove to you who I am. No, no, no. The father who sent you, he will testify of you. The father who sent me testifies of me. I love that. You have neither heard his voice at any time. What a statement to the Pharisees. You've neither these are the religious rulers. These are the ones that are seeking the scripture. He's going to talk about reading the Bible, the, the Torah, the Old Testament, reading every day, memorizing passages and, and marveling and, 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 and really, um, becoming boastful for, for the amount of verses they can quote backward and forward and, and, and just all the ceremonies that go with that and the carrying of the scroll and the and uncovering and, and all of these are, when it's done from a pure heart, they're marvelous before God. But when it's done out of a religiosity, out of a duty moment to earn something with God, that is truly an affront to God then. Here he said, you do not have his word abiding in you. And that's why he said, um, only God can testify of me. I don't need you testifying of me because you don't have the word abiding in you. What kind of a testimony are you going to give me? Their testimony towards Jesus, they wanted to kill him all the more. So the one that doesn't have the word abiding within has a murderous spirit towards the one that does have the word abiding. It's called the spirit of Antichrist. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you may have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. 
but you are not willing to come to me, oh my, that you may have life. And we know that in John 4, he talked to that woman, the Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, not one trained by the rabbinical laws of the time. A Samaritan woman, not a Jew. To her, he said, come to me and drink of me. And, and she did. She partook of that drink. So much so, she left everything behind and ran to her little community to tell them, Jesus, I met the Messiah. Could he be the one? Come and meet him. And they followed her. In, in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 6, 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Oh, my. <laughs> and what did he say? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you do not see me, yet, that you, do, you see me and yet do not believe. And that's what he's saying. You're seeing me, but you're not believing me. I am the word. And yet you, 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 you search the, the written, the, 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 the words on, on a page and you, and you look for life. And yet life is standing before you and you're not going to partake of life. Because so stuck in the doctrines of how it's supposed to be. And God says, I'm here. I'm here. I'm now in you for the one born again inquire of me. Open the word with, with the understanding of that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth and he will show you me. And from me alone do you partake. From me alone the, the, does life come from. And when we believe him, we have life. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. I used to marvel at that. I'm like, what do you mean, God? I thought it was right to read the Bible. He's not saying it's not right to read the Bible. It's to hear the Bible with what he just said earlier, to hear the voice of God. In verse 37, and the Father himself who sent me has, has testified of me. But they said, you have, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. And yet they're searching the scriptures Never heard the voice of God in the scriptures. Now that's a hard heart. That's like a definition of how hard can you get? It's to be daily searching in the scriptures for eternal life and to not hear the voice of God and the word of God. The word of God that became flesh. There's a tangibility to the Word of God. The Word of God is ever becoming flesh in us. As we are believing, it is working a powerful, mighty work within us. Verse 40, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive, this is it, I do not receive honor from man, but I know you. This is the key to how our hearts can get hardened, dull of understanding. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe? This is it. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? 
How can we believe God if we're so externally minded, if we're so performance minded, if we do a good works before men that they might see it? How, how can we, he said, you know, when you pray, go in your closet. When you give, let not the one hand see the other. When you fast, you don't have to anoint yourself and, and look like you're, you know, like I'm fasting today. But do it in a secret place. Do it before God. And there he says, those that, that do it outwardly, they've already received their honor. But the ones that does it to God. The one that does it unto God, from God they will receive honor. And, and, and God will testify of that one. Because Jesus said he did nothing of his own accord. Nothing of his own will. Can we say nothing of his own ambition? He did nothing of his own personal desire. Nothing of his own personal preference. He did only the preference of God. He only was led by the voice of God. He discerned the voice of God. He is the very word of God. He is the voice of God. When he spoke, we heard the Father speak. He says, these are not my words, they're the Father's words. Oh, to be believing, to be believing. Why such a passion in me? Because to be believing is the victory has already overcome the world. Even our faith, even this divine persuasion of the word of God being truth, and this persuasion starts moving you by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things not seen. I, no eye has seen, no ear heard. But by the Spirit, we have a revelation now, and this inward revelation is moving me. What's faith again? What is faith? Now faith is 11.1, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, of hope for. And now we know it's, it's elpis. It's also translated as trust. Things that we trust, things that we hope for. The evidence of things not seen. Because faith is not external seeing. But faith is of a divine persuasion of my inner man. It is the very faith of the Son of God. Is that which moved Jesus to be obedient to the will of the Father. And in his obedience, I have now consecrated my life to be part of that divine obedience that the, Father, that the Son had towards the Son. Because he alone bows the knee to the Father. And in that bowing of the knee, now I'm in his body, I'm bowing the knee to the Father. Oh, a friend of mine was just sharing recently regarding that experience, having a vision of the bowing of the knee and how the body of Christ is in that body. It does only the will of God, submitted to the will of God. Full submission because of Christ's submission. In his submission, I yield my life to his submission. I identify, it's no longer I now, it's not me wanting to really please God. It's the pleasure that the Son has brought to the Father. I identify with that fate of the Son of God. It's no longer destiny that's doing it, but it's the Christman within me doing it. And the Christman always would move my outer man into full mission, submission and obedience to God. The body of Christ to give glory to the Father. Evidence of things hoped for. No, sorry, substance, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. I mean, we can every, 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 every teaching, we can read this over and over and never exhaust the depth of this. What is a good testimony with God? Be believing, not be unbelieving. 
What is a good testimony of God to know I have a good standing with God? It pleases him when I know that I'm loved by him. It pleases him when I know that, that I truly believe that what he did on the cross was final and forever and it rendered an eternal judgment that now has brought me from death unto life. And now because I move into this moment of divine life, I can do the very works of Christ on earth even greater. And we touched on verse 3 last week. I didn't go too deep, so we're just going to go through here. By faith, we understand. We looked at that. Last week was love makes us understand, and we looked at understanding is to do with, with a heart that's pliable in the hands of God. Understanding is to do with a hearing of faith. Understanding is to do with a sight that is supernatural. It's not crowded out by the world and worldliness, but it's, it's, it's one that's inspired of the Holy Spirit. That today, when you hear His voice, you be led by his voice. You believe his voice. You submit to his voice. You honor his voice. Because the one that honors the son honors the father. The one that honors the voice of God honors the father. For by, so right, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And that's the ultimate understanding. It's only the word of God frames my life. That only the word of God can frame my life. And when the unveiling of my understanding comes about, I recognize that the only truth that, that really directs my life is the truth of the word of God. And without the direction of the Holy Ghost through the word of God, I am truly blind and I'm truly unbelieving and I'm truly dull of hearing. And I'm truly, I'm truly not pleasing to God. And no matter how much good intention I have to do something good for God, the, the unbelief overrides it all because it's of the heart. And the understanding that faith brings about, that we can only understand by faith, which means I can't understand anything by natural sight. So why are we still trying to figure out our lives or what's going on around by what we are uh, surveying in the natural sight? There's no understanding there. Only deception. It's a masquerade. Because the word says, only by faith do we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And what God said earlier at the beginning, that divine utterance is, is that right now, right now, what's unprecedented is this divine movement of God through the body of Christ. That's by faith understood. Not by surveying of a, of a, of a worldly landscape. We're seeing glimpses, but really the truth comes from this divine inspiration of the word. And so it, it, it moves us into a, um, a full persuasion like Father Abraham was fully persuaded that that which God had promised him God was going to do. Oh, what a rest in that statement to be fully persuaded. All that be believing is exactly going back to, is it Romans 4 or 5 there? Uh, Romans 5. That that which God has said to me, it will be exactly that way. Romans 4. 20. He did not, Abraham did not waver the promise of God through unbelief. See, he was believing right when his body, he should have considered his own body that was good as dead and 
and, and, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. There were many things that natural eye could see, but you see, natural sight doesn't give you any understanding. Been around this mountain. Do you think if we do one more lap around, pretend? No, no, don't, no, 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 no. What has God said? What has God shown you? What has God communicated to you in a man? What are the impressions of the spirit for right now? That's what you do. That's what you yield to. That's what you believe. So he did not consider that which he could see with a natural eye. He gave it no consideration. No attention. I love that. Give it no attention. No attention. You, what is it? Zero. I mark you zero. Worldly performance, zero. You don't qualify to tell me anything. That's a fail. That worldly paper to communicate truth to me, there's zero. As a teacher, when you grade someone, you grade them on, on the matter of are they meeting the criteria for that test or are they answering the questions right? And when none of the questions are answered right on that, on that test, it, you get what? Zero. Every worldly report is zero. Has no bearings on truth. So if I'm to grade where the word of God's concerned, zero percent. Not even one percent. That's what Father Abraham. That was his moment. That was his persuasion. Didn't consider. But 20, he didn't waver. Because he didn't consider the natural moment. Did not bring a wavering. A wavering always happens. Why this duality? Why am I battling again? What should I do? Should I do this? Should I? Oh, all right. Let's, uh, let's pause. Put it on pause. Stop. And then, okay. So what are you considering? Obviously not the word of God as to how you can consider it better. I mean, maybe it's part of your consideration, but the full persuasion comes from a full consideration. It didn't waver the promise of God through unbelief. But what was strengthened in faith? Faith, by faith we understand because faith strengthens us to believe. You want to be strong today? Believe the word of God. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Eat the word. Eat, 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 eat the word. Eat the word. Eat the bread. Drink the water of the Holy Spirit. He didn't waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, faith allows you to give glory to God because faith is a persuasion that you know beyond the shadow of that it will be exactly as God had promised me and because it's going to be exactly as God promised and I will give him glory regardless of the moment. I don't care what the moment is. I invalidate the moment. My faith actually invalidates every, every worldly moment. My faith invalidates it. Because the only thing that I understand is by faith. And, 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 and through faith, I understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. And so the sole thing of my persuasion, of my faith, man, of my spirit, man, is the word of God. And so the word of God is always nullifying, always nullifying the world. Because why? Through the, through the cross, we have been what? Crucified to the world and the world to us. Dead. It's dead to us. Why are we going to give it life? <laughs> Why are we going to believe a dead thing? What did God say to me this morning? Believing is what? Of the dead? No. I'm saucy. I'm believing. Be believing. Be believing because you have passed. You have passed. Why, why would I even say that, saucy? You know what? Because this word gives you boldness that is just supernatural. Faith gives you strength to give him glory. Faith gives you strength and gives him glory.
He wants you strong. He wants you persuaded. He wants you thrilled. Be believing because you have passed from death to life and believing is of the living. Well, Abraham was of the living. He wasn't of the dying. Although he said his body was as good as dead, he didn't consider it dead. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. And because of it, 21, being fully <laughs> convinced, some translations, fully persuaded. I love that. Fully persuaded that what he, that is God, had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, that is a description of be believing. What does be believing mean? Yes, Jesse, what does be believing mean? Right here. This is Hebrews 11, 1, right here, right here. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform regarding God. I give him full confidence. I give him a hundred percent. I give God a hundred percent. I put all my weight on the word of God. I solely trust the word of God and oh, to trust him more. There are moments in my life I come, I'm like, oh Lord, to trust him more. I go back to the old hymn. Oh, for grace to trust him more. How faithful is our God? How good is he in his intent towards us? How marvelous are his precepts to us? I am fully convinced that what he has promised me, he is able to perform. And therefore, it's accounted for righteousness. The justification that comes solely by faith. Based on a finished work that I believe was done for me. For all who believe that we now have life. And we can now be of the believing. Amen. We're done for today.